All right, guys. So in this episode today, I talk about Joe Rogan kowtowing to the leftist outrage mob. Okay, he didn't quite do that, but it was interesting. Very interesting. It was during his interview with Mark Normand. Mark Normand is hilarious. I do some commentary on that. And Joe Rogan's sort of apology to the left, but not really, but kind of. Then I jump into what is going on behind Gary V, Ty Lopez, some of these guys. I'm going to talk about a comedian named Tim Dillon who has an obsession with Gary V, a guy named James Altucher, Altucher, who is very smart entrepreneur who's met both of these guys. So stay tuned. You can follow me on my website, tstuch.com, T-S-T-U-C-H.com. Email me, tayradio1 at gmail.com. YouTube, Taylor Space Stutch. And in Twitter, uh, tstutch1. You can follow me on Instagram too, Stutchberry Taylor. And thank you. Okay, guys, let's jump into it. So first off, if you haven't seen the interview between Joe Rogan and Mark Normand, it's really good. You should watch it. So Mark Normand, I don't know all the specifics about him. He's a comedian. He's been around for a while. I believe he was on your mom's house. He was on one or two podcasts that I've seen before, and he's hilarious. He's very quick-witted. Uh, it's funny. He's from Louisiana, and Leo Vaughn Leo Vaughn. Sorry, I've been studying my Chinese pretty intensely. I'm a little bit tired. Schedule's all fucked. Theo Vaughn is also from Louisiana, and what's interesting is they both are big into the wordplay. So Theo Vaughn and him have very different styles of wordplay, but anybody who listens to Theo Vaughn knows that he has a super interesting way of making sentences, of making connections with words and phrases that is extremely unique. So uh, the interview between him and uh, Mark Norman and Joe Rogan is very good. And one thing I do have to point out, a lot of people point this out, whenever Joe Rogan has another comedian on, and I totally agree with this, when that comedian makes good jokes... Joe Rogan does not laugh. That is absolutely true. Uh, Mark Norman did make Joe Rogan laugh a few times. He had some good jokes. I mean, actually, he had a lot of good jokes. And he made Rogan laugh a bit, quite a bit, actually. But Rogan, it's, and this is, I mean, I've said this before. I, I personally don't think Rogan's very funny. I love his show. I think he's a very good interviewer. Uh, his curiosity has um, created something that many people could only dream of making. But in terms of him being a comedian, when before all of his stuff got stripped off of YouTube, maybe there's still some remnants on there. But when his stuff used to be like when you could see some of his stuff on YouTube back like 10, 15 years ago, I never thought it was that funny. Never did. I thought it was very theatrical. Like he got really into some of his pieces. Um, I saw one where he was like pretending to be a demon on a bar stool. And I just remember being like, okay, this is very theatrical. 
But like, I just remember thinking like, I just don't see what's funny about this at all. Now, then again, keep in mind, I was younger at the time, so that could play a role. And I haven't seen his stand-up since, because as I've said before, since all of these comedians are selling all of their specials to like Netflix and stuff, and Netflix is, and all these companies are really good about taking them off of the internet, you really, it's, it's so interesting. If you're not subscribed to the services that you're, that a comedian is on, you'll never see their shit. So anyway, I haven't seen any of his stuff really in a long time, but on his podcast, I've never viewed him as funny. Um, I've actually, I don't think there's anything I've ever seen him on that I actually thought he was funny, but I, you know, I love what he does. I love the podcast. Now, the what was really interesting in this podcast was that Rogan made a huge point to address the mob, the outrage mob that attacked him. I'm not going to say that he did a full-on apology, but he did quite a bit of that. Um, he did quite a bit of defending himself, of saying like, obviously, you know, I'm not, you know, sexist or racist or homophobic or transphobic, and. You know, um, of course, that's perfectly within his, you know, rights to say that. I didn't like it because for me, it was a little bit of kowtowing to the mob. Basically, he was trying to defend himself, which I totally understand. And it's extremely hard, I think, for somebody like an average person like me to get because I don't have that level of pressure or scrutiny on me. But I feel like Joe Rogan is in such a popular position with so many people that listen and watch his podcast, I feel like he doesn't need to ever apologize unless he really means it. So if Joe Rogan legitimately, because you know he's high on all of his episodes, so I totally get it. There are going to be times where you fuck up, you say something, you know, he drinks with his friends, and plus, there's no script. So it makes sense to me that sometimes you're going to say some shit that you're going to look back and say, ah, I didn't really mean that, and I'll come out and apologize. Ain't no problem with that. That being said, this is the outrage mob. There's no reason, no reason at all to kowtow to the outrage mob. And if anyone has forgotten, what I'm referring to is about a week or two ago, the uh, radical leftists lost their fucking pants because Joe Rogan, he didn't actually endorse Bernie Sanders, but everyone called it that. He was just doing his regular podcast. Somebody asked him, I don't remember which guest, asked him who would he vote for. He said probably Bernie Sanders. And so the Bernie Sanders campaign took that video, put it on Bernie Sanders' Twitter, and everyone lost their mind. Now, why did they lose their mind? I'll tell you why they lost their mind. And I mean, I didn't come up with this on my own, um, but it makes perfect sense, is Rogan has a huge following. And people are worried that when Rogan says, I'm going to vote for Bernie Sanders, that he can have a legitimate effect on the election. I agree. I believe he can have a an effect on the election. Absolutely. 
And that is something that people really do need to consider. They really need to consider that. And so I think that Joe Rogan knows that he's in a, I mean, of course he knows. He knows how popular his show is. But for some reason, he definitely felt pressure in that interview with Mark Normand to defend himself in a way that I didn't quite like seeing. Because anybody who watches Joe's show knows he's not transphobic. He's not whatever the fuck all these radical idiots were saying about him. If you follow Joe's podcast, you know this. And he has a huge following. And he said that the outpouring of support was much greater than the people that were trying to tear him down. So in my opinion, that alone should lend itself to him being like, look, I'm good. I don't, I don't need to do anything. I don't need to worry about this. But he still proceeded to apologize and justify what he said and talk about, you know, the stuff about the, the, the trans comments. His trans comments were not unreasonable at all. He does not want to see um, a man transition into a woman in their third, in their third, you know, like 30 years of age, not tell women that he's transitioned and then go into the UFC or go into MMA and start beating the shit out of women who didn't realize that they were basically fighting a man. Nothing wrong with that. Plus, I mean, you know, my views on the transgender stuff is much more, you know, poignant than his. Um, but it's like, he has, he's been extremely reasonable. He even tries to somewhat kowtow, you know, like he was trying to use the he and the her and be all judicious with all that shit. And, you know, I'm not a big fan of that. I don't really like this whole, we got to address everybody by the he, her bullshit. You know, I'm one of those people that in private, if I'm with somebody who is like, hey, can you please address me for the purpose of this conversation as whatever? I'll try, right? Here's the other thing, though. They also have to extend me the courtesy of the fact that if I do decide to do that, that if I make a mistake, it's not a fucking issue because those aren't the regular rules that we play by. So if I'm going to make a mistake trying to help you out, you're going to have to go ahead and go, hey, no problem, brother. No problem, man. Anyway, that's my opinion. But the overall interview was good. But I did think it was very interesting. And, you know, we are definitely in a place in the, in the culture right now. We're in a place where, I've said this before, I don't know how far this will go. Um, I am definitely on the more conservative. I don't consider myself like conservative Republican, all that bullshit. Um, you know, and I'm very liberal in many aspects, many aspects. I'm very, very liberal, very live and let live kind of guy. Uh, that's actually most of what I am. Um, but I do think the attempt by the radical left to uproot the whole entire, all the norms of the culture is not healthy. I think it's perfectly healthy to have people outside the bounds of traditional culture, right? In order to help kind of push the envelope, create art, create music and all of that. You got to have that. And that's also partially why it's so important 
for our traditions to remain alive, right? People, I've said this before, people to understand is that the fa- our legal structure, like the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and the way that our legal system works, is what has allowed the people, the people on the margins to make progress. And so people should be very careful trying to say they want to uproot that system. Because that system is what has allowed people that have come from the marginalized groups to make more headway. But as things have been progressing, the people from certain groups, and I, I don't know why what's happening, but some people are like, okay, now instead of using our speech to get equal rights, now we need to punish people for saying things we don't like which is the reversal of what everybody was doing 50 years ago or 60 years ago. And that's a great example, right, of what I'm talking about, is that you want to preserve some of the traditions that keep the society healthy, right? For example, I would argue that you want to encourage people to have a family, to have relationships with their family. You don't want to encourage too much casual hookup culture. That being said, that's always going to happen, right? I mean, I remember reading books when I was in high school and stuff like that where you, you know, extramarital affairs and young people having, you know, getting, you know, uh, fucking each other before marriage. All of this stuff has always been around, that's why that there are rules. That's why society has made rules for thousands of years to try to mitigate it because in the past, the outcomes were much more harsh. You know, Nature had very harsh outcomes for people that made mistakes in the past. You know, I've said so before. You had sex before marriage back before you have technology and governments with tons of money. Then you're stuck with a child. You could potentially die during childbirth, and if you have the kid, then you got to make sure you're with somebody that didn't just disappear, okay? And so, you know, because having a kid back then was, a, was an even a bigger burden than it is today, right? Imagine having a kid back in the, in the days of manual labor where you couldn't take out a loan to buy a car and to, you know— you know, put your kid in daycare, you know, just things were very different back in the day. You know, life was, uh, was a little bit more harsh. And so you had to follow certain rules to kind of get by, right? And uh, Rogan had made a good point the other day, you know, people died of syphilis all the time back in the day, right? So even if people were fucking and they weren't getting pregnant, they were giving each other STDs and there was no cure, right? So you, the a lot of us, you know, I was raised in this culture where we're told that these are, you know, it's an uh, old oppressive way of living for us to try to not be like whores and sluts and whatever the hell and get around all the time. I was raised in that. I thought, oh, what's the problem? You know, and then it's funny because our parents, since there's no real forethought into what they're saying, they're just like, oh, it's just what the Bible says. Well, okay, it's what the Bible says, but most people, you know, are driving around in a pretty secular society, so it's like, 
most people have a hard time reconciling, well, I should do what the Bible says here, but I don't follow the Bible in other parts of my life because, you know, you know, there's all kinds of modern technology that I use that most people just, you know, like when you're sick, you know, people don't necessarily just lay in their bed and pray for Jesus, right? Like they go to the doctor and they get medicine and they do all kinds of shit. And so it's very hard for people to reconcile things like that, the past and what we do in the present. And that's why it's important, I think, for people that want to teach their kids religion to be able to explain like, look, you know, before technology, these are the rules that helped us get to this point, right? A lot of these rules probably are what allowed us to get here. They protected us from nature. They protected us from other tribes. And this technological revolution that we've had, especially in the last hundred years, is very short in terms of the human, uh, the human experience. So it would be wise for us not to shed all of the traditions that we have accumulated. Now, back to what I was saying, um, this is the danger about uh, the the danger that our culture is moving into is how you know we're trying to uproot all of the you know a lot of the traditions and things that got us to the place where we're at and a lot of people don't even realize we're in the process of turning them upside down and destroying them and you know like i said freedom of speech is a primary primary one right if if you are in favor of hate speech hate speech laws in the United States or hate speech itself, then you have to seriously think about the damage that you could do to the society. It's not good. And so anyway, what I was saying about Rogan is is that we are seeing this progress. We're seeing the culture war progress. Um, Rogan did not get heavily affected by the cancel culture campaign against him. Uh, that being said, I do think he is a little worried because why the fuck did he explain himself like that? You just have to go watch it. Watch the interview with him and Mark Normand, um, and you'll see that he devoted a little chunk of time to like really just, in my opinion, I, I think it was overdone. I don't think he needed to do it because people understand. People who watch Rogan understand this is how he is. He's not a racist, bigot, homophobe, whatever the fuck. So... Let's take a break. I'll be right back talking about Gary V. Okay, so there's a guy named James Altucher. 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 Uh, I think that's the name. And he did a podcast with a guy I've been listening to lately called Tim Dillon. Tim Dillon is a comedian, really funny guy. He did a really uh, hilarious bit, a viral bit on Meghan McCain pretending to be Meghan McCain and how um, only daddy is allowed to fuck her. And it was really funny. And um, I think he did a great job of it. Now, he's a comedian, but this guy named James Altucher, Altucher he uh, is a, he's been a serial entrepreneur. He's made a lot of money. He's written a lot of books. He's had contact with people like Gary Vee and others. And I think he's actually doing some comedy now too. Um, he, it's very interesting. I've just been following him lately and it's, uh, it's, he's, I I love his optimism. I love his perspective. I love his honesty and transparency about failing and, and, you know, coming back and, and going at it again. 
Um, I don't know too much about him, but I know he's made a lot of money and he's been in some high-level circles. Now, Tim Dillon, you need to go subscribe to his YouTube channel if you want to listen to something funny. He's absolutely hilarious. I've been listening to his some of his podcasts lately, and he just he's pretty much a one man show, but he does great with a little bit of bounce back. So like he does great with a little bit of somebody there who just maybe laughs at him at his jokes or says something every once in a while, but it's pretty much just him. He had he came on Rogan's, and he was talking about Gary V, and he was talking about how. Gary V, um, you know, he has a problem with Gary V. He's got a problem with Gary V because Gary Vaynerchuk is always talking about how people, you know, every, you know, you know, lots of people have, you know, uh, everyone's got to hustle and grind. And you got to post every day, post, 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 and. On, on these social media outlets and um, how, you know, Gary's talked a lot about how people can, you know, a lot of people can create businesses. And and so Tim Dillon has has been very critical of Gary Vee because a lot of times what he's trying to say is he doesn't understand uh, what Gary Vee wants people to do, right? So... Gary V is like, look, you got to post, you got to be on all these social media platforms. But what Tim Dillon rightly points out, in my opinion, is that listening to Gary V isn't going to isn't going to give you the ideas of what you need to post and what you business you need to create, and that is or how you need to create your business. And so that is what Tim Dillon. His big criticism of Gary Vee is, and I agree with that in many ways because I myself have been going through various social media experiments over the last several years. This is actually one of them. Um, on Instagram, when I was more heavily involved with my uh, father's Taekwondo school, I was doing a lot with that. Um, but I also – I just have lots of other interests like a lot of the things I talk about here are like – culture wars and things like that. Um, you know, also just, I don't know, things I like fucking talking about. Now, with Gary V, I had a very hard time, like on Instagram, thinking about like, what do I post on Instagram? What do I focus on? Right? Like, I am interested, like, I am interested in ideas. You know, like, I love ideas. I love thinking about, you know, ways to do things or like I love reading that seem to Leb and trying to figure out how this applies to my life. How can I use this? And it's like, how do I turn that into a picture, right? How do I turn that into an Instagram post or like a Twitter post? Like what the fuck? And so, and then the other thing is what business do I build around that, right? Like what possible business could I build around like my, my thousands of interests, that I have. I don't know. I don't know what kind of business could be built or grown around that. Now, the um it's just it's very interesting. It's very funny in that regard because Tim Dillon was hitting the nail on the head. He was saying, "Look, the problem with what Gary V says is that there 
there's a miss the the missing part is that he doesn't provide any guidance beyond just post and hustle and grind. And Tim Dillon has talked about how, you know, not everyone's an entrepreneur, not everyone has a business. Most people shouldn't be posting unless they ha- unless they are something, unless they have something to post, right? And I will agree with him on that. Here's why I will disagree slightly is that Gary V also did a, a, a turn. Um, I listen to a lot of Gary V. I don't listen to much of his shit anymore. Sometimes I listen to it to help me get pumped up. But um, when I listened to his stuff at the beginning, it was very much like you got to be an entrepreneur. What I've noticed is he did a big shift maybe about a year or two years ago. Two years ago, I think he did a big shift around 2018 where he stopped and said about face and was like, okay, guys. And you know, maybe he was always saying this, but he was saying, look, um, not everyone's an entrepreneur and you need to know that. And that is one reason why he talked a lot about self-awareness. Okay. And I, and you know, he's not the only one. There's, there's a lot of people out there that, uh, will tell you that like self, you know, you have to know what you're good at, what you like, what you don't like. You have to figure your own shit out first. And so I noticed that Gary Vee made a big shift in that regard um, because I think he realized as he was gaining a following that he didn't want to be held responsible for people losing their shit because they're really not entrepreneurs. They really don't have what it takes to be an entrepreneur and they wasted like five, ten years of their life trying to be an entrepreneur. I think he realized he didn't want to be on the hook for that. And, you know, kind of changed his tune. He also changed his tune about being happy. Um, I noticed, because I was still following him very closely, I noticed he did a big pivot away from everyone needs to hustle, 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 and pivoted more to, well, you got to know yourself, and it's about happiness. It's about happiness. It's about happiness. Are you happy making $50,000 a year? If so, then you might not need to work 20 hours a day to achieve something that you actually don't care about achieving. So that is an interesting perspective change being a fan, you know, or somebody who has followed Gary Vee. Um, now, uh, something very interesting. What I really wanted to get to, the meat of this w- was, well, I probably should have put it at the beginning was that James Al Tucker, Al Tucker, whatever, talked about how he met Gary Vee because Tim Dillon was saying he doesn't understand how what are what these motherfuckers do. He doesn't understand what Ty Lopez does. He doesn't understand what Gary Vaynerchuk does. Like what businesses do they do? And so James Al Tucker said that he met Ty Lopez and that it was a fucking strange deal. And that basically what it comes down to is that Ty Lopez, the way he described it was Ty Lopez basically gets your attention, but then he partners up with actual specialists and experts who he basically sell, he basically markets their courses and gets a percentage of the people that sign up, gets a percentage of the cash of the people that sign up for those courses, whether it be real estate or investing or whatever. And so, um, 
you know, and like I knew some shit was up with that. You know, I never got on the Ty Lopez train. Now, that being said, does Ty Lopez say some things that make some sense? Probably. Did he come up with those himself? Probably not. I think he is a skilled marketer. He's a skilled bullshitter in many ways. Gary V has many similar attributes. Okay, now, I don't think Gary V Gary V is nearly as much of a bullshitter. I think he is actually heavily involved in his businesses day to day. I think he's doing a, running a lot of shit. He's clearly a very intelligent guy. If you've watched some of his things, I mean, it's it's uh stunning actually. Some of the things that uh I that just come out of his mouth, it's very good. Some of it's just fantastic. Now, that being said, James Altucher made a comment. He said, look, you can't run a service agency like he's running. 800 people. Um, or he said it's it, almost impossible because if you have a decrease in revenue or I guess a decrease in cash flow, if you have an, any issue with cash flow, then you're like underwater. You've gone bankrupt because you've got 800 people that you have to pay, right? Think about that. If you are... Uh, a business owner, and you've got 800 employees, you're probably paying them like bi-weekly. They're probably on a schedule like that. So you're probably paying out 800 people a couple times a month, you know, thousands of dollars per person. I mean, this, the number is staggering. And so what James Altucher said is that Gary has investors that basically help keep the show that I guess probably, you know, provide liquidity for his business. And he's able to, um, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk is able to basically be the marketer. He's the advertiser. He's the guy that is grabbing all the attention. Now, that's extremely valuable to some of these investors. They invest in his company, they own products, and in return, he goes ahead and markets those products, markets those, you know, whatever those are. Whatever his investors are investing in, he can market those and make them money. Um, so, you know, there's that. Uh, but, and Gary Vee has also disclosed that he has um, investors. So I remember listening to, you know, I mean, I've even seen one of his investors uh, and, you know, he had him on a Gary Vee video. So uh, that's been known that he has that. But it's interesting because that's not something that he talks about often. It's not that he needs to, but it is important for people to realize that like the stuff that you're seeing out of somebody like a Gary V, he didn't go from 0 to, you know, a 200 million dollar company uh building it one person at a time. He went from that, you know, zero to a hundred million dollar, two hundred million dollar company because not only is he a hustler, but he got investors. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just that people should know that that is the the idea. And he's even talked about that before, that how he started his business and he got an investor. You know, I think he's even discussed that in his earlier, you know, daily V's and stuff. But um, you know, it's just I think some people get caught up and they don't always understand what they're watching, what they're listening to, and might think like, oh, if I can't create a two, you know, two hundred million dollar business, then I'm a failure, you know. And it's like, no, it's not the case at all. It's not the case at all. So, um, 
Anyway, uh, yeah, James Altucher, you need to follow him. He has some really good interviews. He, you know, and he's very intelligent guy. Uh, it was nice to hear him talk about the Ty Lopez thing because he kind of broke down what happened when he met him. And basically, Ty Lopez is just, you know, he's a fraud in many ways. He's a marketer, but he's also a fraud and that he doesn't know the shit that he's trying to talk about. And uh, but a lot of people know that already. You know, he got caught saying some stuff about real estate a while back ago that was totally bogus. But he's a marketer. That's how he makes his money. So anyway, guys, that's all I got for today. Um, you can follow me on my blog, tstutch.com. You can follow me on my YouTube channel. I'll be a little bit behind on that. Um, it's all just this shit anyway. Uh, at Taylor Space Stutch. You can follow me. You can email me, tayradio1 at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter, tstutch1. Thank you. Have a great day.